At the core of a great team culture are great relationships and high standards. Now getting there can be done in many ways. It's, it's in what we do and how we do things on the field or the court and off the field or the court. Now when it comes to our training sessions and even our games or, or matches, one of the best in the world when it comes to strategies and, and systems to raise standards and to develop emotional intelligence and player leadership uh, is Mark Bennett. All right? And it's no surprise his four-part series in episodes 73, 75, 76, and 78 has around 10,000 listens. Uh, still, like any of the strategies we share on this podcast, what they look like implemented varies from team to team and coach to coach. And so the next two episodes of Coaching Culture, we've got Alan Keen on the podcast. Now, Alan is one of Mark's top students uh, in the UK, and he is diving deep with us into how these strategies have been implemented with his teams. Right? He's the head coach of Great Britain's under 18 international team and the head coach of the Reading Rockets, which is a professional basketball team in England. He's also a former teacher, but now he's all about this performance coaching. So in today's episode, we're really going to get into some practical ways for coaches and their teams to grow in emotional intelligence. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive on Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 98, Strategies to Develop Emotional Intelligence with our guest, Alan Keene. Now, just a heads up, Nate was out for these three episodes in preparation for our first transformational leadership retreat. It was in the mountains of Park City, Utah. 12 coaches gathered for four days with Nate and I in what was truly a special experience. Don't just take my word for it, though. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Tim Trendle, uh, the head boys basketball coach at Marist High School in Chicago. Um, came out here this week to the transformational coaching retreat, kind of looking for ways to better connect with my players, parents, you know, just uh, people around associated with my program in general. That um, followed these guys a lot. Um, love the work that they've done and kind of helped build my programs where I've been and where I'm building one now. And like I said, I was looking forward to this experience to kind of how I can come close to my players because that's a big thing with me. And like I said, how I can develop better relationships with my parents. I've got a lot of different strategies based on what we've done here these last few days and more for other things to do and uh, created some lifelong friendships and uh, community network of coaches that we now can kind of call our friends and coaches. Each retreat is capped at 12 leaders. Spots for May 2020 are filling up already and you can learn more and apply at thriveonchallenge.com forward slash retreats or in the link of the episode details. Alan, it's great to finally get you on the podcast and I'm really, really excited as we're going to really learn a lot more about how we can develop player leadership and emotional intelligence, not just actually in our, in our athletes, but, but within ourselves as coaches. You've got some great stuff to share on that. Now, in particular, what we're really going to focus on today is really how to do this within the practice or the training sessions. And I think a lot of times people feel like these things like uh, leadership and character and emotional intelligence, they need to be done outside of the training session. But actually the, the training or practice is the optimal, honestly, the best place to do that. So let's start today's conversation with where we started 
with Mark Bennett, right? Where he encouraged uh, our listeners to have a shift in our perspective about what is effective coaching. And he believes the aim of a great coach is to make themselves redundant. Now, you've worked with him for seven plus years. So start by giving us a bit of a picture, a before and after picture of you as a coach, right? Before you worked with Mark, and then now seven years later, what type of coach is Alan Keane? Yeah, I mean, if I think if you ask Mark when he first started working with me, um, or I started work, we started working together, uh, Mark would probably descri- describe me as a fiery Irish man. I think I heard him say that in your podcast on one episode. And, you know, I, I think when we start coaching, JP, like any, any domain, really, you do what you currently know. And very often, well, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so I would describe myself as, as a fiery coach, emotional. And this is pre-working with Mark for sure. Um, I think I still show phases of that, but they're, they're very few and far between now. Um, but I think what Mark what Mark brought to me was like um, just a, a different perspective on how to do it. You know, we would you know when he came to observe me practice for the very first time, um, I was quite embarrassed actually because I presented him with a session plan, thinking I was going to impress him, and you know he dismissed the session plan completely. He had no interest in what the the content of the session we were going to do, and it was a national team at the time, and I, fi- I found myself wondering why is this guy here. Um, little did I know back then, but what I know now is he was scanning my behaviors the whole time in that practice. And when I say behaviors, basically the choices I was making in the moment and my emotional state in each moment. So he was scanning that with me for the first practice. And he still does that now, even when he comes to a practice seven years later. And what's interesting about that process, JP, is it's very, it's no different to what Mark wants us to do with coach, with players. So I look at myself this morning, for example, we just had a national team practice this morning. And one of our non-negotiables for players is that players must scan each other. And what comes with the scanning of each other is effective communication. Because if they're scanning, they've got to be thinking. If they're thinking, they've got to share. Because what we want to develop ultimately is problem solvers live. So players who can self-manage, who are self-sufficient in the moment under pressure. Because when we get to that phase, the coach on the sideline, I know Mark talks about his job is to make himself redundant. Our job as coaches is also, I disagree, it's to make myself redundant. I don't believe that's my job. I believe that's part of it, to make myself redundant with stuff they already know, Mm -hmm. but also to help them with stuff that, because at the end of the day, the game is so unpredictable. A problem may present itself that we haven't planned for, we haven't covered that in practice. And now we're talking about the rule of three. I'm jumping ahead, and I guess we'll pick that up later. But, you know, I think our ultimate job, JP, is to make the game easy for the players. And what way to make it easier than to make them think for themselves effectively? So if they can self-manage, think under pressure, the game is so much easier for those players. So it ultimately goes back simplifying the game, the competition, the action for the player by helping them to think more effectively in the moment. Yeah, no, I love what you just touched on there because first off, you really talked about within your own coaching the importance of intentionality, right? And, and moving from just operating like as a fiery Irishman, which um, I was operating much like that too. With uh, And I've talked about extensively in the podcast with my rage monster. And for many years in Ireland when I was coaching down in Kerry, down in Cork as well, 
Um, I was I was very fiery, uh, very very fiery as well. But l- there was lack of intentionality, right? It was just like, for sure. but it, for for so long, it was like, hey, I'm just passionate. This is who I am. And what what we're really talking about in this type of transformational coaching is about being intentional. The other thing you touched on there, which I think is so important, is you're really t- touching the whole components of emotional intelligence. Now, emotional intelligence for the listeners is made up of self awareness, self management, social awareness, and social management. And I think a lot of times. Uh, and my work with coaches, I think I f- focus on the first two pieces, that self-awareness and self-management, helping players to be more aware of themselves and their state. But what you are, I think, exceptional at doing, um, and, and you're going to share some stuff here, is that social awareness, right, what's going on around me, and then how to help maybe others manage their state as well. And, and that's that's where the leadership component comes in, right? Like, um, is as a leader, great leaders are able to help others uh, and, and that. I think with the, you know, you, you're talking about shifting, um, or shifting the dial from being dependent on others to being independent, and that's with the emotions as well. So we, for example, we sat in a group last night, our GB on the rating team, and we sat in a, we just sat down and we said, guys, let's have a conversation. And um, I started the conversation by saying, these are 17 guys who've been together for the first time, you know, or we've been together a week or whatever. And uh, I opened the conversation with, what does every person in this world deserve? Let's just see. And I thought to myself, let's just see where it goes. We won't plan for anything. And the conversation very quickly went on to emotions. And then the conversation went to emotional intelligence. And then we talked about, like, players brought it to that level. Why do we act the way we act in the moment? So now, going back to your, your topic on emotional intelligence, we are helping with this self, getting players to self-review in the sideline. They're, they're reviewing themselves first in the moment. How am I in this situation? What's my emotional state? Can I manage my emotions? But where it becomes really powerful, JP, is when you give them the tools and skills to actually be aware of their teammates' emotions in the moment. So can I recognize that Mark is emotional in this moment right now? I recognize that. That process is a long-winded process, and it's very difficult, and it starts with a conversation. It starts with raising awareness. How do you know how you you act, behave, or respond to certain stimulus in, in certain moments, in, in any particular moment. What tools have you got to manage those situations? Because the reality is we we put players in the fire. We put them in the, the real heat of the fire. And if we don't give them the tools to survive in there, they quickly burn and melt. Um, and part of that process is developing their emotional intelligence. What, what was really refreshing for me last night when we had that circle time conversation, that was just that's a true question, I'll see where it goes. They started talking a lot about how, they, how their emotions control them. So, for example, when somebody has a turnover or there's a bad defensive play or something, the system breaks down, they actually talked about how their frustrations are at the front of their mind before everything else. So the, it's like wearing a blindfold of frustration. So the, the, your thought and your mindfulness on the task at head is blinded by the emotions. So how are you first able to control your own emotions? And secondly, are you able to influence and impact and support your teammates? who's blinded by his emotions. I think it's a very deep topic we could go into, JP. And I think, again, you've got to go back to how do you tool up and how do you, how do you layer up a player to, to, to be aware of it first, to manage his own emotions second, and then to identify and support and manage the emotions of a teammate. I think it's a very difficult process, but it, it starts with a conversation and raising their awareness that these things actually exist. That yeah. your emotions controlling you. Your emotions are your are the blindfold right now to the task at hand, and until you remove that blindfold, the emotion can stay. 
Like I explained to my guys, I'm okay with you getting frustrated. The emotion can stay, but it can't be, it can't block the vision of the task ahead. It can't be a blindfold. It can be there, but you've got to continue with the task. And then we can support because the game doesn't stop. We can then support you with the emotion afterwards, be it a timeout, be it a sub, be it a stoppage of play. And that's where we want to skill up the, our, their teammates to help them support them in that moment. Yeah, and I, I think that that is, I mean, this is some deep stuff that we could we could go down that rabbit hole. Bottom line is what the research has shown is that I think a lot of people don't think that they can manage their state. They feel like their emotions are just, they're just there. And, and there's a lack of accountability or responsibility, but all the research has shown that we can manage our emotions. Like we, we can sure. shift that focus. So that's, it's such incredible stuff that you're doing with your players because in most coaches out there, most coaches out there are unable to manage their own estate, much less manage their help, help their players manage their state. So like that's, that's huge. But on that topic, such because I'm glad you went there because I was going to redirect this this conversation in that area. Actually, what my journey was quite um, my journey was quite interesting with that JP because I started this conversation with you explaining to you that my roots as a coach was a fiery Irishman who was on the sideline, you know, defensive sliding with the players, screaming and shouting. I'm not ashamed to say it, but there was a period in time in my coaching career and in a timeout I would have players doing push-ups. <laughs> because that's what I saw. That's what I saw, and that's what I'd been. Some I had been coached by a coach who made me did who made me. And I don't regret that because I look back at that and go, actually, that was the start of my journey. That's where I was. That was my baseline, and the support system, I, the, the people I surrounded myself with, helped me to move on from that stage to be complete opposite. So I don't look down on coaches when I see coaches do this. I'm actually quite excited to have a conversation with them and, I, and, and, and think, right, how can I influence that coach? Because that coach was me. I was that coach. But my message is this. We talk about players supporting players. I want to talk to you now about players supporting coaches and give you an example. So, for, and, and Mark is the one that influenced me with this. So about three years ago, um, three, it would have been three summers ago, we were in the European Championship, Division B, and the goal for us is always to come in the top three so we get promoted to Division A. So there is a pre- – it's under 18. A lot of these kids are going to the States on scholarship the following year or they're playing semi-pro men in our country waiting to go to the States hopefully the year after. So actually the stakes are pretty high. So before I went to the European Championship, I knew that my emotional state on the sideline can affect the performance of the players in key moments. And I was also very aware that in practice my emotions are much better than in game. So – Basically, we record everything, JP, all timeouts, all pregame talks, all halftime talks, all postgame talks, all practices. And I spend about, even to this day still, I spend about 15 to 20 minutes watching um, those parts of practices the following morning. So I'll go into work on a Monday and I'll watch my timeouts from Saturday's game. Um, and it'll take 20 minutes to go through them. And I'll look at my delivery and see if I'm connecting with guys. Am I talking too much? Am I emotional in this moment? And there's still moments I'm emotional. So... Before we went to this European Championship, I sat down with two of the key players that I'd, know, I'd had a good relationship with. I'd coached them for quite a few, quite a while. This would have been my third European Championship with them. And I told them, Jacob Brown and Nelson Bochiyadam, I said, so I asked Jacob and Nelson, do you think my emotion, do you think I affect you guys in a negative way during performance when I'm coaching on the sideline in certain moments? They said yes. And basically they were saying, I affect them when I'm emotional on the sideline. So I'm allowing my emotions to control my coaching behavior. 
So it might be screaming or shouting. It might be, Ivan back, you're not doing this. It might be having to go to sub as he's coming to the bench. Um, so they say, yes, you do affect us in those moments, which I was really pleased with because it just showed me in that moment that we had a relationship so strong that it standed the test of them upsetting me, the test of truth in effect. So I said to them, right, I'm glad we're all on the same page because I agree with you. I think I affect you guys in a negative way as well with my emotional state on the sideline. So I said, I said to both of them, look, I need your help with this then. For us to perform at our best, for you to play at your best, for me to coach at my best, I need to keep check of my emotional state regardless of the score, regardless of players' performance. So I said, I'm giving you now in this moment, when we get on that plane to go to, it was Estonia, when we get on that plane to go to Estonia from this moment forwards, I'm giving you permission to pull me up if you think I'm affecting the team in a bad way. And I don't care if it's 30 seconds to go in a tight game. I don't care if it's a practice session. I don't care if it's the first, if it's the opening tip. I want you to pull me up. I want you to agree with this. So they agreed. We shook hands on it. We agreed. We got to the European Championship final that year. But in the semifinal, we were up three with about a minute to go. And Bulgaria had the, uh, sorry, um, Estonia had the ball. Sorry, quarterfinal. Bulgaria had the ball. And I'm going crazy on the sideline. And I'm like, the ball hadn't been put in play yet. It was coming out of a timeout. I'm screaming my head off to this. I'm, I'm having a go at a kid because he didn't do something. I can't even remember. Jacob Brown gets up off the bench, and I'm running the sideline like a crazy man, grabs my wrist and pulls me over. And he says to me, Coach, this is one of those moments right now that you told me you need to be better at. And within a heartbeat, within a second, he completely centered me on what I needed to be in that moment to help the team to help the team to be better. And the emotion just completely got absolutely extinguished. Now, what I said to my assistant coach, and that's the first time it's, a player did that for me. Uh, players have done it since because I've given them permission. It was a good learning curve for me. But I said to my assistant coach after the game, Ian McLeod, who's, who's an incredible assistant coach because he's incredibly emotionally intelligent. Whether he practices that, I don't know. I don't think he does. I just think it's his makeup. He's got probably reasons for that, environment, parents, whatever, I don't know. He's just ultra aware of himself, others, and the environment and what, he, what people need him to be in that moment to maximize the moment, let's say. But he, I said to Ian after the game, I said, Ian, don't take this the wrong way. But if you had grabbed my wrist in that moment and told me to calm down, I might have said something I would have regretted after the game. You wouldn't have been able to center me. But the player, Jacob Brown, who I gave him permission to do that, absolutely just extinguished all emotions because... It was a player saying to me, we need you. We need you to be better. And I'm playing for them. So I've always had the philosophy, JP, that the players don't need me as much as I need the players because they can play without a coach. They just need a, a ball and, a, and an opposition. I can't coach a basketball game if there's no players on the court in front of me. So the, the, the connection there with that was, was powerful. And, I, and I've, used that, I've used that principle quite a few times, actually. Danny Carter, who I coached in Reading this year, was really good at that as well. Um, and what's also good with that stuff, um, JP, which ties into emotional intelligence, I'll just give you another example. And we started doing it with the GB team this summer, but I've been doing it with GB teams for the past few summers and the Reading team I coach. After every game and every practice, um, as we talk, it's flying up on my computer right now. We just finished practice half an hour ago. I gave the players uh, permission to put in our WhatsApp group to review three things. So each player, after every practice, it could be a one-liner or it could be a paragraph, but there's three segments they will review. The first one is they'll review themselves. They'll review themselves. Where were they mentally? What was their behavior? It could be a one-liner. It could be one word. It could be one paragraph. 
their review, their anything to do with themselves in that practice, how good they were with the rule of three, how good they were at self-managing their state, their emotional state, how good they were with on-ball defense, areas they need to be better at. They have total freedom to go in any direction. It's never too long. The second thing they review in that WhatsApp group is the team's performance, us collectively as a group. Could be emotional state, could be boxing out, it could be anything. And the third one that interests me the most is we've given them permission to review all the coaches. So we have basically four coaches here with the national team, our team manager and a physio as well, so six staff. And it, they have a freedom to review that in any way they want. And this group I have at the moment, just because I've been doing it a week with them, they're still a little bit hesitant, to be honest, about the coach's performance. But we had a bit of a breakthrough two days ago. And it all came from a player who plays for my academy, who's in the national team. He's used to that process because we've been doing it all year. And he said in that review, he said, I thought Coach Allen was a bit too emotional today. I didn't see that in the first six days we were together. I saw it today. And it, up, and, it, and it made me a bit uncertain. It made me lose a little bit of confidence. And I think it might have made other guys lose confidence as well. And as soon as he said that, the reviews became a lot more um, honest from the others. Because we sat down and we had to talk about it. In circle time last night, I, I announced, I said, I wanted to um, congratulate Sam for his review, which was honest. Um, and I think he's, he's opened the door for the rest of you to understand that I'm okay with vulnerability, that I believe I grow when I'm vulnerable. So I want you to completely expose me if that's what's necessary. If you guys think I'm coaching in a way that affects you or if I haven't done a good job or if Mark the physio hasn't done a good job, we want to know because we're on a journey with you. So we sell the value of them being honest. We say we're on a journey, we're learning too, and we're going to help each other to grow together kind of thing. Um, and and it's, it takes a while. But last year's Division One group were awesome with those reviews. You know, Again, I mentioned someone like Danny Carter who's a veteran basketball player. And, you know, I think the stronger relationship you have with them, the more honest they will be. But I've taken more from those player reviews than any coaching clinic, any conference, or uh, um, I won't say any discussion I've had with coaches because some discussions have been incredible. But any coaching clinic, any conference I've been to has taught me less than the players who review each practicing game. So there's two things I really want to unpack and and what you just talked about there. And we'll come back to what you just talked about with the kind of the after action review via the group, um, the, the WhatsApp, the, the group messaging. But let's 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 come back to the whole thing of you being a fiery Irishman. And I think a lot of coaches, they ask me this, this question, which is, well, what's the point do I just need to be myself? Right. Like be, be myself. Like and what point am I trying to be somebody else? And I, I think that there's something really powerful in what you did, which it's one of the most powerful tools that we can do to develop relationships, I think, to raise standards, which is really at the core of developing a strong culture. And that is to be vulnerable and to go first and saying, hey, like, uh, you're allowed to give me feedback on a certain aspect of my coaching in a certain way. And I think that's really, really powerful. They're, they're, they're one of the best activities that, I encourage coaches to do is when you're working with your leadership team or you're working with players in your team is to, you know, list out some maybe like, for instance, like leadership qualities or uh, values on which of the coach type, type of coach you want to be. And then ask them out of those qualities of a great leader or those, those qualities uh, or values that, that you hold dear as a coach, what do you do you struggle with? Do you as a coach struggle with the most? Not what do they struggle with, but what do you struggle? And getting their feedback 
on your coaching, just even there and, and those type of qualities. And then once they've given you that feedback, you've identified an area, for instance, like so let's say patience, which has always been my biggest challenge as a coach is, 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 being, patient, is being impatient, is to then give certain players that, that, that uh, permission to give me feedback on the, when I'm moving that place where I'm becoming impatient and that's creating a, a negative experience for them. And, sure. and, and you're explaining how to do that. And I think what you've done there is just incredible. Um, it's an incredible tool because at the core of it, you touched on this. Not only does it help you manage your state better, not only does it help you grow as a coach, but you're modeling a growth mindset. And that is so important. Like how do you develop a growth mindset in athletes? You model it. That's one of the most important ways to do sure. it. And you've modeled that. So now when you try to give them feedback on their performance or their emotional state, they're going to be more receptive to that because you've gone first and you've shown them that it's okay to not be perfect and that you're okay with that. And that, sure. that's, that that's so, so important. It's really interesting listening to what you just said there. Um, I just want to clarify too. I want to add something to or fill some gaps there in what you said, if, if that's okay, JP. Yeah. Um, you spoke a bit about um, it's really positive that, you know, when you do hold them accountable or you do give them feedback that they are more receptive of it because you allowed it to be a two-way process. The, the challenge with that, like, I think listeners should be very aware that this isn't something that, de that develops overnight. And it's not something that certain – some players will, will, will hook onto it, will buy into it, will, um, will go for it. Other players will resist it. And I think you have to be very clear of who you're trying to build this with and be patient with how long it takes, but be relentless and keep going with it. The challenge is always getting the, the maybe those who are a little bit more introverted to do this. This is a challenge. So I think you have to be very smart in your approach. Sometimes you have to do it a bit more one-to-one -one or in, in a smaller group setting. It's just awareness of, of what does that player need from me now to develop this skill set? And it's different for each player because they're all unique. The other thing is that what's powerful inside is a touch. So just a high five, a we call it positive touches. So for example, with the team I have right now, they decided on three non-negotiables. Positive touches was one. Intent and commitment in each moment was the other. And then the, the third one was scanning. They've always got to be scanning when we're on court so they can, they, they're, they're basically they're cognitively working as well. But I think the touch is important. When you give your hand to somebody, when you offer your hand, it establishes a connection that's more powerful than anything else, that touch. Because now they, they feel like, okay, there's a connection. It's not me giving instruction or sometimes criticism to you. Like, I critique players all the time, but I'll give my hand touch. Coaches always think, like, when am I going to be myself? You mentioned that a moment ago. Like, this is all great, being that athlete-centered approach, being a needs. I call it a needs-based approach. I don't think, I think the athlete-centered terminology is mis misunderstood a lot. I think we can simplify by just saying let's let's go with a needs-based approach instead of an athlete-centered approach. I think the athlete-centered approach right now, when I speak to some coaches, they see it as very wishy-washy and let's let's have a conversation. When in fact it's the opposite. It's the hardest way you can possibly coach, because if you're truly athlete-centered, you're basically need-centered. What does that player need from me now in this moment could be different two minutes later and could be different for 12 guys or 15 guys on the court. It's probably a different conversation. But you you said a while ago some coaches always say. Oh, well, I just got to figure out, so when can I be myself inside in this system? And I always, and I've, get that, I've got that question a few times. 
I don't know whether it's right or wrong. It's right for me, so that's that's where I am with it right now. When coaches say to me, well, when can I be myself inside this? My response always is, well, what's your purpose for being here? What's your purpose for coaching these guys? You're, if it's not to serve them, then what are you doing? So you, what, what, who, when you want to say, when, when can I be myself, what is that self? Because it can't be about you. It needs to be about them. So instead of thinking, when can I be myself, I think we'll do a better service for the players when we start thinking, forget about when can I be myself and start thinking about what do they need me to be right now in this moment to get the best out of them with what we want them to do and where we want to take them to. Yeah, I think that's huge. When, when I get that question, my response is uh, what I got when I asked Jerry Lynch um, this question too. JP, you need to be the version of yourself that they need you to be. Absolutely. Everyone is multifaceted. Like, yeah, you're a passionate, fiery Irishman, but you're not always running around screaming all day long, right? You have various aspects of yourself that you have to tap in. And maybe sometime your team may need you to be that passionate, fiery Irishman. Maybe that's what they need. So, but you have to be, like you said, identify what they need in that moment. And that's really, really important. Um, for sure. I just kind of want to wrap up this first first part of the conversation because this this is really really good, and there's some other stuff I want to dive into the, in our second part with just kind of tapping uh, into that whole idea of you, that AAR that you did with with the WhatsApp group. You know, we talk a lot about we've shared in the podcast before about the importance of doing a post practice reflection that is not just the coach standing in the circle talking for five minutes, letting the assistant coaches talk, and then asking the players if they have anything to add. Because everyone's exhausted and worn out by then. So we always talk about the AAR. We give a lot of different versions that I work with coaches on is, you know, from what happened, why did it happen? How can we do it better? There's just different ways to self-reflect. I really like a few things about your your AAR. And one of those is that you give players time to to potentially reflect on the practice, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. we do this through journaling activities with some teams to, but here you have something that's going to be a shared kind of journal right here, or is this a shared uh, group message and they're they're reflecting and, and you just said reflecting on their self reflect on their team and then they're op- have the opportunity to give coaches feedback and i just think that that's incredible because you're giving them time um, and also certain people when it comes to feedback when it comes to these conversations some people do them well face to face sometimes they do it well in groups and some people they're just going to be better when they've had time and they can put it into a text message and i i, I just think that that is Really, really a profound activity that you're doing there. Now, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode with Alan as we discuss developing in-game leaders. You can check him out also on Twitter at CoachKeen14. Now, we've got athletic directors, coaches, teachers, men and women joining us next year for one of our retreats. Our May dates have been released with more dates coming. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Go to thriveonchallenge.com forward slash retreats.